this innovation cycle is so profound. Look around us, right? You're sitting here, like I say, your mind being blown every half hour, except with this one, present, present company excluded. And um, it's because the, the talent migration into this space, it's like nothing the world has ever seen, right? The people from all walks of life, from technology, from finance, from uh, politics, from you know, societal uh, uh, focused companies, all seeing that this movement can truly change the world. This podcast is sponsored by Mercury and Vault. Please stay tuned for more information on both of these amazing companies later in the episode. I've had guests that have been on the show one, two, three, four, five times. I think that Mark Yusko has been on the podcast and my live streams probably seven or eight times right now, and he never, ever disappoints. Nobody has better sound bites than this guy or better instincts as to what's likely to happen with the market. He's the guy who told me that the Futures ETF was going to be the top, and it absolutely was. He also has incredible t-shirt taste and amazing Bitcoin socks. You don't want to miss it. We spoke not that long ago, and they were launching the Futures ETF. Yeah. And you told me that was the top. I, I know. It's so crazy. I mean, you said to me, listen, this is a sinister thing that they're approving a Futures ETF. 100%. And it's not a spot ETF. They're going to short the hell out of this. Yes. It's going to send price down. Well, I think the prevailing narrative still was, yay, we got an ETF. Yeah. And, and look, it is sinister and it is intentional. And there is no question that the resistance to a spot ETF is going to continue for a while. And it was, oh, on July 7th, you know, you know, GBTC is going to get approved. I'm like, I, I, I don't think so. Look, my, my prediction actually is the first one that does get approved is going to be BlackRock's because they're part of the, the cabal. Um, but look, approving a futures ETF, and you can go back to approval of the, or the creation of the futures the first time, December 18th, the 2017, was the, the, the dead <laughs> top, right? And there's a reason for that, is when you can create something out of thin air, whether it's money, right, like my shirt, shirt or whether it is, uh, a barrel of oil, a brick of gold, or a Bitcoin, that creates a problem with supply. In the old days, if I want to sell you a barrel of oil, I actually had to have a barrel of oil that I controlled. I couldn't just say, oh, well, I'm going to make a paper barrel of oil and sell it to you. And as long as we settle up before I have to deliver it, I'm all good. So if you look at oil prices, they're super volatile, particularly when they spike because people just keep issuing new paper barrels of oil. And then you're prone to a period of speculators coming in and pushing the price down through shorting. And I think that's exactly what's happening in Bitcoin right now. And look, we talked about this, I think, on one of your Thursday podcasts, uh, is we're in the then they fight you stage. And so what I said this morning on, on stage is, look, Gandhi, I guess Gandhi didn't say it, but it, everyone says it's Gandhi, but the Gandhi quote, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. And 2009 to 15 was first they ignore you. 
like a bunch of nerds, geeks, who cares? It's nothing. Science project. Then it's they laugh at you. So 16 to 21, ha, look at those nerds and geeks and their magic internet money, ha, ha, ha. Well, now, 2022 to 2027 probably, is then they fight you. And the fight, I mean, it's going to be a bitch. I mean, it's not going to be fun. And everyone's like, well, no, no. I mean, they're going to rally around it. No, they're not. The banks are being disrupted. And that's good, right? I mean, innovation and technological disruption is is a positive for society. Uh, We're going to take $7 trillion of waste that exists in the traditional financial markets and liberate that, which is good. But the people that collect that $7 trillion don't want that to happen. So, you know, look, BlockFi, we invested in BlockFi and they got fined $100 million. For what? Oh, well, you sold unregistered securities. But you said these weren't securities. So how can I sell an unregistered security? Well, you're paying interest on stable coins. Right, but those aren't securities. So, but you pay the fine. It's a cost of doing business. Now, the cool part of that is once they now have a regulated product, because it was like, well, don't, re- don't, don't file a regulated product because then you give them control. I'm like, no, no, no. Regulation is good. More regulation is good. More boundaries, more rules is good. I would say it's like raising kids. If you give your kids no rules, they will be terrors, yeah. right? They need boundaries. They, they want boundaries. They want to know, oh, my parents have my back if I come up to this point. So it's a long way of saying, I think we're in this then they fight you stage. I think it's going to be hard, but you got to zoom out. Just like every, you know, people say, oh, look at the correlations. You know, oh, yeah, everything's everything's highly correlated. Like, well, For now. No, no, but, but I, I recorded, <laughs> and, I, and look, I love Will. I really do, Will Clement. And I did a podcast with him yesterday, and he's like, you know, Look, the weekly correlation, oh, don't ever even calculate a weekly correlation. That's a spurious number. It has to be thousands of observations to have any statistical you know, meaning. And this idea that everything correlates to one in a crisis, right? Stocks and bonds, they're only 30% correlated, except they're both going down right now. Well, wait a second, that's not supposed to happen. Well, right. Because what happens when stocks are being liquidated, as they are, hard, hard, and there's lots of leverage, and you get a margin call, you don't get to sell what you want to sell. You have to sell what you can sell. Liquidity. Gold, bonds, Bitcoin. and Especially at 1 a.m. Especially. <laughs> no, no, especially at 1 a.m. Exactly. And, and it's just a, it's a really funny thing that people, for some reason, don't, look at that and don't understand it. And look, there are those that do get it. And if you go back to March of 2020, you know, Bitcoin fell 50% in like 12 hours or whatever it was. And I'm off a little bit, but you know, hit 50 something, you know, 5,200. And people are like, oh, it's going to zero. I'm like, no, no, this is a big buying opportunity. And you've heard me say this, right? Investing, only business I know. When things go on sale, people run out of the store. When you put anything on sale, put wedding dresses on sale, pants people will fit. like yeah, exactly. Pants <laughs> that people will run over each other to get in the store to buy the stuff. But when stuff goes on sale in the markets, ooh, I'm out. And the further the price goes down, the faster they run away. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm a big believer that the first loss is the best loss. 
People say, well, that, that doesn't make sense. You're saying buy things that go down. I'm like, no, no, no. First loss is the best loss if you bought something because you don't understand it. And if you bought it because the price is going up, then you better sell it soon. If you bought it because you think the price is below the value, then you should definitely buy more. And that's a very big difference between an investor and a trader slash speculator or worse, gambler. And that's, I think, the problem we have right now is we're still getting rid of the gamblers. You know, the, the lockdown, give people free money, lever up. And you and I talked about this. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, you know, uh, throw you my should. brother. I know I shouldn't throw my brother under the bus, right? But he calls me up and he says, you know, they stole my Bitcoin. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? He says, well, I was a BitMEX. I'm like, stop talking. So you levered up an 80 vol asset and you didn't make the margin call and they seized the collateral. No, they stole my Bitcoin. I'm like, no, you lost Read your the Bitcoin. terms and conditions, and, man. <laughs> and, 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 and my point is, then someone said to me, but you do realize that there are certain firms, and I'm not pointing a finger at any particular firm, but there are certain firms that entice people. It's their business model. To actually get them to lever up so they can seize the collateral. I'm like, oh shit, that, that could be real, right? And again, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, right. but that definitely could be a business model. And so my advice there is some leverage is fine, but on assets that make sense. Like Warren Buffett, everyone thinks he's this grandpa stock picker. No, he's not. He is not a stock picker. He is a levered, margin or um, tax-deferred, brilliant structure. I mean, he is a genius, but he's not a genius for what people think. He bought Apple. Why did he buy Apple? Not because it was in his high growth phase. He bought it because it paid a nice dividend and bought back shares. So he takes that low volatility cash flow and levers it up with negative cost of capital money because he has an insurance company. It's a genius strategy. But an 80 vol asset, you can't lever that very much. It's like your house, right? People lever four to one. No problem. Because you don't price your house every day. Imagine watching a chart. I joke about that all the time. People look at Bitcoin. They'll say, I'm buying Bitcoin for 30 years. It's for my kids. It's whatever. Exactly. What's the price on the one hour chart? Exactly. Imagine if you charted your house. Oh, my gosh. And, and this idea of we're all guilty of looking at the price. Uh, I mean, course. we're all guilty of it. And to your point, if, if you're buying an asset truly for a long duration, you know, it's a trust for the kids or it's to fund retirement or whatever it is, you, you actually shouldn't look at the price Ever. unless you're looking at it to say, okay, the price fell below my estimate of value, so I'll buy more. Um, but a better way to do that is just pick a period. I say this all the time. Just dollar cost average. Just dollar cost yeah, average yeah. over time. And, you know, it's funny. I did the, uh, the thing and then, what, 2017 or 18, and it was in CNBC. And, and while I was on the show, the price went from 10000 to 8000 like literally in the six minutes I was on the show. And Melissa Lee says, you know, what should I do? I'm like, buy it. And just the look of incredulity. And she says, well, you just say that no matter what the price, even if it went to $5,000, i am like, yep, I would. Buy it today, buy it tomorrow, buy it next week, buy it next week. Don't buy it all at once. Don't ever buy it all at once. Oh, by the way, if it went from 10 to 12, you would have also said buy it. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway. Right. And so that's a completely different narrative. I love the uh, 
the analogy you said about children wanting boundaries. Yeah. I think the fear with regulators, though, is that the boundaries are like a cage, and children don't want to live in a cage, right? And I don't think the industry does either. No, but and that's important. But here's the thing. There's no question that there are regulators that are being influenced, paid, to do exactly that, <laughs> right? No question that is the case. But the difference is in the old world of innovation where it was pretty localized, you know, each jurisdiction had their set of rules and regulations um, because nation states mattered, borders mattered. That changes in crypto because now nation states are not quite as important. Borders don't really exist. I mean, what is the border of the metaverse? And if you think about, take China. China says, I'm gonna ban exchanges, 2017. Price of Bitcoin falls 40% almost overnight, and everybody freaks out. And what happened? Those exchanges picked up and moved to Japan and South Korea. And within weeks, the hash rate is right back the same. Same thing with Bitcoin mining yep. last year. We're going to ban miners. What did they do? They picked up, moved here to Texas, <laughs> moved to Kazakhstan. I met a guy at a, at, down in Miami who was one of the Kazakhs who built this giant mining facility with all the people that came out of China. And it turns out some of them stayed in China. If the recent data so that they're actually still doing mining in China. And, and we freak out about this idea that, that regulators are going to. But the thing is, if you overregulate, if you try to put it in a cage, what's going to happen is like squeezing a balloon. The air is just going to go somewhere else. And part of it is American exceptionalism. I joke that Americans are like Notre Dame football fans. I'm a Notre Dame guy. They remember a past that never was. The perception of exceptionalism. Yeah, no, no. But they remember a past that never was. Like, if you ask a Notre Dame football fan, they think, oh, we win the championship every year. Like, we haven't won since 1988. Good old and my father-in-law, who I love, right, says, well, in my time, we won all the time. I'm like, well, yeah. Because in the 40s, the coach went to Europe and got all the guys from Army and Navy to come back as 28-year-olds. And he had a semi-pro team for four years. And they went undefeated for four years, won national championships. Fine. But you don't get to do that anymore. I was joking, except BYU. Yeah. You know, they send them on the mission, then they come back bigger, stronger. Um, so this, this idea that regulators here are going to set the rules is crazy. Because if you make the, the, the barriers or the, the boundaries too small, it will just push innovation outside. And what I do like is under Jay Clayton, the SEC was measured, prudent, consistent. Like those are not words that people today would use. Current head, not as much, but you do have people, like even the executive order was actually pretty good. Let's study this. Totally reasonable. Hey, let's let's, figure it, let's out. figure it out and let's combine. And then, you know, you got Senator Lummis and, and others that are really, uh, really smart about this. But ultimately, we're going to choose as, as a country, we're going to choose whether we want to be in favor of innovation and wealth creation or we want to be against it. Now, our track record on is not actually very good, right? Taxation is a good example, right? Why would you ever tax innovation and wealth creation? Why would you tax income? It makes absolutely no sense. I mean, it just makes no sense. And it was supposed to be temporary, you know, for the War of 1812 or whatever it was, Spanish-American War, but it's not temporary. What we should tax is consumption. 
because you should let people make as much money as they want and create as many jobs as they want. And then when they choose to consume, you want to buy an expensive watch, pay yeah, a lot of tax. You want a yacht, pay, yeah, pay, tax pay a high tax. tax. And you can choose. And then it's totally progressive. But I know that's a, a problem for another day. Ready to scale your big idea? Business banking with Mercury makes it easy. In addition to FDIC insured bank accounts, unlimited virtual cards, foreign currency exchange, and free wire transfers, Mercury offers custom team management features that complement your company's growth. What's more, Mercury offers additional financing options like venture debt, depositing founder-friendly loans directly into your Mercury account. It's time to take your company to the next level. Head to thewolfofallstreets.info slash mercury. That is thewolfofallstreets.info slash mercury for better business banking in minutes. Mercury is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by Choice Financial Group and Evolve Bank and Trust, members FDIC. Guys, I have a serious question for you. How much interest are you earning in your bank account? Is it 0.00001% or something similar? We all know by now that there's a better way in crypto, but you want to be using the best platform possible, and that is Vault. I have been using it myself now for quite a while, earning the highest interest rates in the industry. 12.68% on stablecoin, 6.7% on ETH and Bitcoin, and earning yield on a ton of other assets. But it's so much more than that, guys. They have a robust exchange. You can swap your coins. And they have the amazing automatic investment plan where you can dollar cost average. Or more importantly, buy the dip automatically. We know that when the dip actually comes, nobody buys it because they're scared. Well, you can automate that process now with Vault. Guys, this platform is absolutely incredible. It does everything. They're backed by Pantera and Coinbase Ventures. You really can't ask for anything more. And if you use the link right down below, you get a 40% kickback on trading fees, 5% commission on interest payouts, and 5% commission on loan interest. Guys, sign up right now at thewolfofallstreets.info slash vault. That's V-A-U-L-D. Do it now, seriously. But I ultimately... I look at this innovation cycle is so profound. Look around us, right? You're sitting here, like I say, your mind being blown every half hour, except with this one, present, present company excluded. And um, it's because the, the talent migration into this space, it's like nothing the world has ever seen, right? The people from all walks of life, from technology, from finance, from uh, politics, from you know, societal-focused uh, uh, companies, all seeing that this movement can truly change the world. And it's everything from how we think about ownership, like DAOs versus corporations and LLCs, to how we think about ownership. I mean, I was a big investor. We were big investors in ride-sharing. I used Lyft to come here and love it, right? Made lots of money, Uber, Lyft, okay? But every time I get in one now, I think, why does the person who wrote code 10 years ago get 30%? How come it's not decentralized and owned by us, the users, and the drivers? The drivers, of course. And that will happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And if you think about all of the types of, of opportunities, well, have you heard this, the Crypto Boy song, the TikTok thing? Okay, you got to check this out. It's, it's actually, it's a, a young woman who did this, this uh, it's called an open verse challenge on TikTok, right? And she composed it, and it's actually pretty catchy. It's like Skater Boy, but Crypto Boy. And 
they did a bunch of collaborations with people. And it's actually a pretty catchy tune. I like it. And uh, the, the whole message of it is, I don't want to hear about your NFTs. I don't want to hear about you know crypto. I don't care about your crypto boy, not one Bitcoin, right? Fine. But here's the thing. I actually composed a challenge, or an open verse that I was going to record. My daughter's like, you are not recording on TikTok. You are not. And I'm like, okay. So, uh, but I still composed it. And basically I said, look, fine. You don't want to hear about my NFTs, but here's the thing. You just composed this song and it is blowing up on TikTok. It is blowing up on Twitter. Millions of clicks. Well, guess who's getting rich? ByteDance. Yeah. If you turned into an NFT, then you would get rich. And the Pussy Riot actually made an NFT with her. So now she does have a little bit of ownership and it's all about ownership and royalties. And that is going to be such a monster thing that you think about Facebook, right? How did Facebook, how does Zuck get rich? Stole the idea from the Winklevoss twins? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Depending on which allegedly. side you believe. Allegedly, allegedly. And, and created a free app. Well, if it's free, then you're the product. Of course. So, and then we, actually not me because I don't have Facebook, but everyone else puts their stuff out there. And they create content. And then he collects the data, sells it, and makes a lot of money. Like, well, wait a second. If I take a cool picture and I post it, how come I don't get the revenues? Well, that's going to happen. And whether it's our attention, like Best Buy. When I walk by a Best Buy store, my phone should light up. Mr. Yusko, we got all the stuff you've been looking at in the last week. It's 20% off today just for you. Come on in. We'll load it in your car. They don't have to spend one penny on advertising to me. Right. I should get that money mm -hmm. because I am addicted to Best Buy. I am addicted to electronics and I'm going to shop there. And same thing with Coca-Cola. Right? Pepsi should never spend one penny advertising to me because don't I don't it. like it and I'll never drink it. Not ever. And so, but our attention, our focus, our habits, all of that should be monetized for us and our identity. And it is all going to happen. This is the part. People are like, oh, that's just never going to happen. Oh, no, of course it's going to happen. And it's already happening. And it's why I'm doing this, right? You know, I'm old, one. Two, I'm not from this world. I'm not a techie. I'm not a coder. I'm not a, a computer scientist. I'm a financial services guy. And people say, well, why would you risk your career to hang out with all these DJs? I'm like, well, one, I'm having more fun than I've ever had. And that is not a condemnation of what I did before. Yeah. I loved my chapter one. I loved working for not-for-profits, Notre Dame, UNC. I love chapter two, built Morgan Creek Capital. Right, very nice asset management company, but Morgan Creek Digital Chapter Three is awesome, and I'm having a blast, and I will tokenize the world for 20 years, and then Chapter Four I'll teach, and so. But when I started going down that path, I mean, I had friends, I had family, I had clients say, "You're an idiot. We'll fire you." I'm like for what? I'm like, well, this is stupid. This is magic internet money. This is for drug dealers and terrorists. I'm like, okay, but. Remember the pager? That was for drug dealers. And, and the internet <laughs> was for porn. And, yeah. and so there's this, ooh, I don't want to do that. Um, technology always starts at the fringe. Always starts at the fringe. And then people adopt it. And then it becomes the standard. And so, yes, did people 
get rich because they bought some weed on Silk Road and they didn't sell their Bitcoin. Absolutely. Now, I joke, you know, I was introduced to Bitcoin the same time as the Winklevoss twins. There's a book about them and they're multi-billionaires and I'm not. Why? Well, because they got it. They were partying in Ibiza and figured it out. I was not running drugs on Silk Road. I was not a cryptography student. In 2013, I was like, I don't get it. But I did get infrastructure and we've done very nicely investing in infrastructure, but I would have been better off to just embrace Bitcoin early. And Emma says, well, now it's too late. I'm like, are you joking? It's so early, right? What is Isn't it? there always a sentiment in this space, maybe any space, yeah, yeah. It's technology that you're always too late? Like the 2014 always. guys are pissed at the 2012 guys who are jealous of the 2010 guys? So well said. No, so well said. And you know, like Michael Saylor, right? He's the Bitcoin evangelist now. Go back 13 years. He wrote a book about Fang. But he's saying Apple was undervalued. People are like, oh, Apple's done. Apple's dead. It's too late. Not too late. And it's always, to your point, it's always true that people underestimate the change that's possible over the next decade. They overestimate what's possible in the next couple of years. I think that's a Bill Gates quote. And humans aren't just good at math generally speaking. And they're really not good at exponential math. And I'm, the reason I'm, I'm, you know, I can't stay for the whole conference is I got to go do this Bitcoin day thing in Charlotte. And I'm going to open my talk with this primer on exponential math, right? Take a piece of paper, fold it in half, fold it in half again, one more time, three times, how thick, human fingernail. Okay. Fold it seven times. Now try to fold it eight can't do it. You literally cannot fold a piece of paper eight times. If you could, okay, it'd be the width of a notebook. What if you could fold it 30 times? How high would that be? A house, telephone pole, atmosphere. How about 50 times? The sun. How about 100 times? The known universe. Again, it just boggles the mind. And so when you think about exponential growth of technology, or the fact that 40% of people on the planet, which is you know 2.8 billion people or 2.9 billion people, don't have a bank account. Yet, they don't need a bank account now because in the old days, if I want to send you money, you had to have a bank account and I had to have a bank account, paid a fee. Now, if I want to send you money, all I have to do is have a wallet, I send you money. They don't even need the internet now. They don't even need the internet, exactly. And all of these innovations are going to happen. That, that's the cool part, right? And, and that's why I say back to the, you know, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you. Cool part is we've already won. Is that, we don't even have to wait to win. We've already won. And yes, the volatility sucks. And yes, the, oh, I feel less rich. Well, part of it is, you know, someone, someone asked me this question. So, you know, I'm all about calm. Calm is an edge. So well, how do you stay calm? I said, well, one, diversification. I don't have all my eggs in one basket. I have a lot of baskets or a lot of eggs in the basket. And I wash the basket. Two is constantly dollar cost averaging and, and rebalancing, selling the stuff that, that goes up and buying the stuff that goes down when it's cheap. Uh, and then there's just a discipline to wanting to focus on 
where the innovation is happening. This, this innovation is an asset class. And the amount of innovation in this space is again, it's unprecedented. It's because the talent migration is unprecedented. I agree. Before we finish, I have to do three things. Cool. And I want you to show your shirt. All right. Well, keep calm, we'll print more. Keep calm, we'll print My more. favorite t-shirt. Second, I want to see your socks. Ah, so I got the Bitcoin roller coaster. The and guy it, has the best socks. And the reason, and so this is Mount Socks, great name. Um, but the reason it's Bitcoin roller coaster is because roller coaster is not about the ups and downs. It's about at the end of the trip, you're in the same place. And we've been in the same place for the past year. We had two big ups and big downs, but it's okay, right? Because what people are missing, it goes to this shirt, is in 2000, we printed. Just let this sink in. We've been a republic for 256 years. We printed 50%, five zero, one half of all the dollars in the history of the American Republic in two years. And not surprisingly, if we devalue okay, the currency by 50%, the value of an asset priced in dollars. See, the problem is people don't price Bitcoin in Bitcoin. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. We price it in currencies. There's never been a bear market in Bitcoin in Venezuelan bolivars. There has never been a bear market in Argentinian pesos. There's never been a bear market in Russian rubles. But we don't spend it in those. We do it in dollars. So from 2000, March 2000, when it was 5,000, when it went to 10,000 or 20,000, totally logical because the money supply was expanding. And if I have a pile of a trillion dollars and I print another pile of a trillion dollars, the value of that money just went down by half. So now, over the last 12 months, money supply for the first time in 13 years actually shrunk a little bit. So the fact that we haven't made any progress priced in dollars, one Bitcoin, still one Bitcoin, but the fact that it's the same price. And yes, we went up and we went down, we went up and we went down, but that's greed and fear. And the value of the network, which we can calculate based on Metcalf's law, is around 32, 33K, and whatever that number is. And Tim Peterson, who I'm sure you've had on your show and you should talk to at N Squared Crypto, has this great model. And it works. And we can identify a number of wallets, a number of nodes, a number of transactions. And so we can actually model the value of any network, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Apple, or whether it's Bitcoin. But the price is not the value. Price is what two people agree to exchange a small amount of something. So price is a liar, right? There's no information content in price. There's information content in value. And so when the price was 59K or 69K, it was too high. And now at you know, 29K, it's marginally too low. Now, does that mean it can't go lower? No, and I tweet about this last night and people are mad at me. So look, the longer we stay bouncing around 30K, a lot more likely. the worse this descending triangle. And a descending triangle is just a horrible congestion problem for markets. And it means there's a lack of buying pressure and there could be selling pressure if we break below that. It's what happened in November of 2018 in the last bear market or last crypto winter six, when from six to three. We were chilling at six for so long. Yeah. So had yeah. To the bottom. Yeah. And so, and again, I'm not predicting that. Yeah. And in fact, someone said, we'll do a Twitter poll. And that was actually good because the Twitter poll, about half said, we're definitely going to 15. Like, okay, that's good. That's bullish. Because if it was 90% we're going back to the moon, then I would be worried about the, the plunge. So anyway, and you said there was one more thing. 
You're the only person ever on my show who makes me howl. Like oh, let's howl. Time. So yeah, yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Ow! Time to howl, baby. He's the king of the howl. All right. Thank you so much. That was great. It's the first time we've, we've met before, but this is the first I know. time we did this in person. I know. So, so good. Amazing. After well, thank you for all you do for the community, for for people like myself who get a chance to to kind of think through the hard questions. You know, part of the problem I think of, of society as a whole is we're so focused on answers and we should focus on his questions. questions and we should focus on teaching kids how to ask better questions instead of memorizing answers. And questions is what drives everything. And I love spending time with you because you ask the good questions and I get to think. And just spending time thinking is something we should all do a lot more often. That's why I love podcasting. Exactly. Everyone makes me think. Awesome. Thank you again. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already left a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do that now. Spotify just added rating, so please go ahead and click that five star. I'll see you guys next time.